Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Are you relating to God properly? That is, are you speaking to Him and praying to Him and listening to Him in a proper way, in a way that will elicit His guidance, His activity, His leadership in your life? When we speak properly to God, God is going to move and He is going to give us revelation so that we can be where God wants us to be and be doing the things that God wants us to do. And it's only when we are where God wants us to be, doing the things that God wants us to do, then and only then are we going to be people who are pleasing to Him. So ask yourself a question. When I approach God, am I approaching God with that mindset, God, I want to act in a way that glorifies you? I am committed to your will. I am committed to those things that you want me to do. See, too often what we do is try to get God to bless what we want other than us hearing from him what he wants and then responding to it. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 77. The book of Psalms and Psalm 77. Now, here the author, Asaph, he is writing in a variety of ways, but there's something consistent. He wants to relate to God properly. He wants to hear from God for the purpose of God moving in his life, to bring him into the will of God, in order that he might be used of God, in order that he might be an instrument of praise and glory in this world unto the Lord. So with that said, look with me to that first verse, Psalm 77 and verse 1. It begins with that inscription where it says to the chief musician or the choir director concerning, and then we have the term Yedutun, which is a group, according to most of the commentators, a group of Levites, perhaps a group of Levites that were instrumental in worship, in leading the congregation, those who would sing and chant this psalm. So Asaph is the author, that's what it tells us at the end of the inscription, which is the end of verse 1 in the Hebrew text. We learn it's by Asaph that it is upon or concerning this, this Levitical family and probably a large group of, of those by this name. And notice what what is said. Look now to the next verse, perhaps the first verse in your Bible where it says, My voice is to God. And he says, I have cried out. Now, this is not the normal word for crying, but rather the word for, for yelling or screaming. It's a word that speaks of speaking 
in a loud voice as i said screaming out yelling out unto god and this word is used to show intensity it can be used to show great emotion so the author here is conveying that at times in his life he approaches god in such a manner and the takeaway for us is that sometimes we need to do just that to be emotional to cry out to scream to yell before him because of the seriousness of this situation perhaps the the importance or the pain the anxiety the stress the problem that we're having it's not easy sometimes to be quiet and reserved before the lord then he says in the second part of this verse my voice is to god and then notice he expresses confidence he says and he will hear me now this is a word for as well listening and i've mentioned to you several times there's three primary words for for hearing or listening one demands a response one is simply i want you to hear this but how you respond what you do if you do anything is up to you and the third one and this is what we're talking about in this verse is a verse that says i'm speaking to you and i want to draw near to you or i want you to draw near to me it's a word for listening or hearing but in the root of this word is the word the hebrew word ozen for ear so it's putting something in the ear or receiving receiving something into your ear so when it says he will hear me it's expressing confidence that god hears and this may also be inviting revelation inviting a response from god to this one look now to the next verse he says in the day of my trouble now it should not surprise us that if we are a follower of god let me say that differently if we are disciple of messiah yeshua we can expect problems hardships or trouble this is the same word for tribulation in the biblical language in hebrew so tribulation is not something that should be unexpected something that is rare as we submit to god the world is going to want to trouble us the world doesn't want obedience so the author is saying here in the day of my trouble the lord i have have sought now there's two words in hebrew for seeking one is levakesh the normal word for seeking something requesting something but this is a different word one of greater intensity it's the word lidrosh which means almost to to demand now certainly we're not in any position to demand from god that would be would be arrogance that would be rooted in pride that would be disrespectful but the implication is the seriousness and also the knowledge that it's only the lord that should be sought after only he is the one that can can bring anything good into this one's life and he says look at the second part of the verse he says my hands now hands stretched out and that's what it says hands stretched out is 
a biblical posture for prayer. So this one, he says, my hands, literally it's in the singular, my hand all night, literally my my hand at night is stretched out and will not stop. There won't be any ceasing or pausing in this. So what is being emphasized is this one praying throughout the night unto God without stopping, without a pause. And notice this one refuses that his soul is comforted. Meaning this, there's a situation, there's a problem, there's something going on in his life, trouble or tribulation. And until that is dealt with, he's refusing to be comforted. In other words, nothing can can stop what he's feeling until there's some type of, of resolution to this problem, to this trouble, this tribulation that he is facing. And so, again, throughout this psalm, great intensity, we see that the author Asaf is relating for us so that when we are in those type of situations, when we have trouble, when we are in a desperate circumstance, that we understand it is appropriate to to scream out to God, to show that emotion, to show how we're feeling, that, that great unrest that we're going through in order that God might respond. So he says, I have sought God, and and in the night, my hand is stretched out without a pause, refusing to be comforted, my soul. Next verse. Notice what he says. I will make mention to God, and he says that I have been, and this word means, to be troubled or it's a word that speaks of uh, uh, shaking or being being displaced simply not being in a proper condition there's something unsettling disturbing in his life that's what he's speaking about in this passage so he he makes mention unto god concerning this this interruption this disruption in his life and he says and i realize that many bibles translate this different in fact one i believe says i will complain but it's not the word for complaining it's a word for simply conversing a word of speaking wanting to enter into a conversation he wants not just to speak to god but he wants to hear from god as well so complaining is a horrible translation of this word asicha he says, I will converse, but notice what else he says. But my soul is, is fainting. Literally, my soul has fainted. And he says here at the end, Selah, which is another word of, of intensity and affirmation. So this one is going through a very disturbing time, but he's wise enough. And this is a, a big, big part of this psalm. He is wise enough to go before God, to come before him with an outstretched hand, and I believe it should be understood as hands, even though it's in the singular. He's in that posture of prayer, and he's making mention unto God about this this dissatisfaction, this uneasiness, this, this desperation that he's having. 
And as he speaks to God, he says, my, my spirit, we might say soul, but it's literally the word spirit, my spirit will faint, Selah. Verse verse five in Hebrew, verse four in others. My eyes, and some will say eyelids, but it's my eyes. I have ceased or or ceased. I want to say that right. My eyes I have seized and kept. Now here this word for keeping probably means he's keeping his eyes open. So that's why many translations speak about the eyelids. He's holding on to his eyelids, keeping them in order that he won't sleep, that his eyes won't be shut. Now, some have said this is a, an expression, an idiom of, of waiting. It shows a commitment. God, I'm awake. I'm waiting for you. I have an expectation that you are going to respond to me. He says at the second part of this verse, now it's a word for a pulse, not the normal Hebrew word for a pulse. That would be dofek, the same word for knocking on the door. But this is a word for, for a beating, meaning something that beats, like a heart beats. And what it simply says here is, I have been made to pulse or beat, and the implication is his heart. Now, the word heart's not there, although some Bibles add it. And I believe it's, it's warranted in the fact that it's speaking here that, that he is waiting. He, as the scripture may be alluding to, when we are under stress or pain or excitement of something, our heart beats more. And he's saying, I'm in this. And he says, I will not speak, meaning I'm not changing. I'm waiting for you, God. I, I am anticipating with great excitement or emotion, maybe a better way to understand it, with great emotion, your response. I'm waiting in silence, not speaking, but waiting for you is the implication. And he says, look at the next verse. He's going to, to state for us about God's faithfulness to his people in the past. We read, I have thought about the, the former times and the years, and these are the years of long ago. So he's speaking about how in the past he's heard of God's faithfulness, God's activity, God's wonders, God's miracles, and he has an expectation that this is what he's going to be experiencing now. He says, I will remind, remind my, my song, and this is a, a melody in the night. Now, this term for melody is probably a reference to a song of praise before God a song that's offering up worship. And what he's saying here is this. I, I'm not going to speak about my situation any longer. In that regard, I'm going to be silent, but I'm going to continue to make mention of this, this song, this song in the night. So in the midst of waiting, what is he doing? He's praising God. He's worshiping God. Nothing has stopped that. And he says, Look at the last part of the verse. With my heart, I will converse 
and my soul, literally spirit, my spirit uh, uh, will, will seek. So what he's saying is, I'm coming before you, not in a normal way, not as, as we come before one another that we pursue another human being, but he's coming before God, being silent in his supplications, his requests. He's already laid them out before God. And now he's moved into a different uh, behavior where throughout the night he's praising God, he's worshiping God. And as he says here, look again at this text where he says, with my heart. Now this is thoughts. Heart is related to thoughts. He says, I will converse. So he's going to be be open for, for God to speak into his heart. For God to put that that leadership, that guidance, those words into his thoughts so that he has understanding. This is what he's saying. That there is a spiritual answer that he receives from God. He says, my my spirit will will seek. Verse verse 8 in Hebrew, 7 in others where it says, and and he's speaking about the the old old times. It says, he will, this is a word for uh, uh, disconnecting, uh, leaving, O Lord. And not, and he's asking a question. Let me translate this a little bit better because the first letter is a hey, which puts it into a question. And he wants to know eternally, God, are, are you going to, to abandon me? Or is, is the Lord going to just uh, disconnect from me, leave me forever? And, and will also he, he forever continue to, to basically uh, not be delighted anymore. That he won't be, and this word, word sown can be delight or acceptable. So is he also going to be uh, continuously unavailable to me, not acceptable unto me, that I won't have access? Because as he's been praying and seeking God, there's been quietness. He hasn't heard from God yet. He hasn't seen God enter into a situation. So he asked that question, for forever are you going to, to abandon me? That's how he feels. Is access to you forever going to be, to be uh, not available any longer? Then look at verse, verse 9 in the Hebrew, 8 and others. It's the word Ephes. Ephes is zero. And he wants to know, is your grace uh, uh, always going to be zero, not available for me, not, not there, not, not uh, uh, present in, in my situation? And he says, has the word, meaning the word of the Lord speaking, has it finished from generation to generation? Now, the, the commentators point out, that this one fills, although he has brought his requests before God in a spirit of worship, in a spirit of praise, wanting to grow close to God, to be in his presence. He is suffering. He's in trouble. He's in hardship. He's suffering tribulation. And he's in a very desperate circumstance. And God, apparently from what we're reading, has not responded. And that's why he's saying, forever God, 
And the word forever here is a word for world or all of, of everything, the world or all of time. So he says, you know, are you forever going to be, be silent to me? Is this what I can expect to be? And then he says in the, in the next verse, are forever your loving kindness, your grace, it's the word chesed, his grace, chesdo, is your grace going to be forever ephes, nothing, not available in other words. And your word is going to be completed, finished from generation to generation. And then he asks another question. Look at the next verse. Has God forgotten his, and this next word is a word of of pardoning, uh, a word of forgiving, a word of being kind or merciful. So it may imply that this one hasn't done what's right. That's maybe why he's in that trouble. I was listening to a a sermon. In fact, I was at a conference uh, uh, this past weekend when this is being recorded. And the person said something very wise. His name is, is Bishop Valley. And he said this. He said, not all the bad things in your life is 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 from the enemy from satan sometimes we violate the word of god and god is disciplining us very wise so sometimes these things that hurt us frustrate us cause us what we think are trouble god is the source of them because we are outside his will we have have done something that we ought not and God is disciplining. He's getting our attention. But here, he's saying here, in light of that, God, have, have you forgotten how to be merciful, to be pardoning, to, be, to have pity upon me? If, and he says, if in, in anger, uh, your, his mercy has kind of jumped away is the implication here. The word here is the word kafatz, which is to jump away, to move away. So he wants to know, has in, in anger, because you're angry with me, your, your mercy, and this is indeed the word mercy, rachamim, in this case, rachamav, has his mercy, because of his anger towards me, has it jumped away, meaning moved away from me? Then the next phrase, Selah. Is this what's happening to me? This is the implication. Verse, verse 11 in the Hebrew text, verse 10 and others where he says, And I have, have said my sickness. Now some will say anguish, but it's simply the word sickness. And it can be sickness in a physical sense or a spiritual, regardless he is not right and he says and i will say my my sickness is this is and the years of his right hand of the most high he's saying has i uh, uh entered into a situation where where all of his right hand leadership is no longer has this ceased am i so uh sick spiritually that, that I can't expect any of God's right hand leading me anymore, providing for me, bringing this change that, that I need. Next verse. I will make mention 
of the deeds of Yah, Yah the Lord. For I will make mention of, of the ancient, uh, your ancient wonders, and these are works of wonders. So what he's doing here is this. In the midst of this situation, where now maybe he is the, the cause of this situation, because of his disobedience, because of wrong decisions. He's experiencing trouble, tribulation, and the source of it. He's the cause, but God's bringing it upon him. And he wants to know, is, is your grace eternally gone? Is your, your mercy uh, now F is zero for me? Is because of your anger that that this this forgiveness has has jumped away, moved away from me, that it's not accessible to me? Well, what's he going to do? He's going to make mention of how God has has dealt kindly and in a forgiving manner with his people in the years before. So he says, I will make mention of the deeds, the actions of Yah. For I will make mention of your your wonders that you did before, previously. And I will, next verse, I will meditate in all your action, in every of your action. And he says here, in regard to your deeds, I will, and this is the third or fourth time this word appears here, I will converse, I will will speak of. Now, as I went through this, in almost every passage I teach, after I've prepared, I go and I sit down with my wife, and we read through the scripture. And sometimes we'll read through it in a variety of translations when I have it in the original language. And I'm amazed at how sometimes it's translated. This word here was translated three different ways in some very, very uh, uh, large liberties that translators took in rendering. When it just means to be in a conversation with God. So here he says, and, and in your, your deeds, I will converse. Next verse. God in the Kodesh. Now this is probably in that holy place referring to to the temple in the sanctuary is your way now what's he saying here let me read it elohim we all know is god but kodesh kodesh is a word for holy in this case a holy place darchecha your way what he's saying is this god i want to hear from you and i understand that it's in worship that i learn your way worship has great benefits never never underestimate the benefits that you can receive from worshiping god going before him in his holy place going into the house of god going into your own prayer closet and and praying to god pouring out your heart sometimes even screaming and petitioning god god is your grace finished for me it is not Is your mercy disconnected from me? It is not. God will not cast off his people, his covenant people, indefinitely. If there's a time that we feel abandoned, that time is not forever. There will be a reconciliation. 
Now, I know that in one sense, we are eternally reconciled to God. That is this. We have an eternal covenantal relationship with God. And nothing can break that. But this is not what the author is talking about. He's talking about his experience with God. And right now, God seems distant. Right now, God seems utterly far away. And God's grace, his mercy, God's pardon, his his pity upon us, all of this seems very remote. And it seemed this way for a long time. And therefore, what we learn, an important principle, is that we can regain the way of the Lord in his holy place in worship. He says, who is the great God as God? So who is a great God like the God of Israel? That's the implication. His greatness allows him, causes him, demands him to renew that that experience now here again we need to make a distinction between the reality of the situation god says i will never leave you nor forsake you no one can pluck you out of my hand all of that is factual but just because we know that intellectually and we may know it in our heart that may be our faith statement and it should be our faith statement but that doesn't mean that inwardly sometimes we we always feel this way it doesn't mean that sometimes we can feel very far away that god has cast us aside has he no he is not has he abandoned us no he is not but can we feel this way yes and can it seem that way with the enemy's attacks what's going on in our life the trouble and the tribulation that one is experiencing yes all of that can be the feelings that one is having but then he affirms, there's no God like, like our God, no great God like our God, only him. He says, next verse, you are the God that is doing wonder. Now, again, I've made mention that whenever the present tense appears, if you're looking, for example, at maybe an internet aid, it will call the present tense in Hebrew a participle that's fine how it's being classified is not important what's important is that you understand the classification what it means what it relates to and this is the word ose ose is the present it has a meaning of the present tense and the word ose means doing or making so god is doing wonders he's making things to be wondrous This is how God behaves. So he says, you are the God, the God, Ha'el, who who does wonder. Who you have made known among your people, your power. So it's God's power. He has no rival. He has no equal. It's God's power that allows him to behave wondrously for his people. And notice the next thing is said. Now, this is verse 16 in the Hebrew, probably verse 15 in your translation, where it says, Ga'alta bizroa amecha. You have redeemed with your, your arm. This is the word zeroa. It's a word that has a Passover connection, a sacrificial connection. 
So Passover is redemption, sacrifice, a Passover sacrifice for redemption. That's why it says, for you have redeemed your people with your arm. Literally, Bizroa with the arm. And this is a reference to Mashiach. This word Zeroa relates to Messiah. So you have redeemed with the arm your people, the sons of Jacob. And the implication is, and the sons of Joseph, Selah. Jacob, sons would be in the land. Joseph, in exile. Also understanding those in in the southern kingdom, those in the northern kingdom. What it's speaking of is a total redemption. Bringing God's people together through redemption. So he says, the sons of Jacob, the sons of, of Joseph next verse now in speaking of redemption one of the great acts of redemption is of course the exodus from egypt and and what completed that now the work was done through the blood of the lamb that passover lamb but the consequences being free set free totally from from egypt and from pharaoh that didn't happen immediately it happened at Yamsuf, at the water, at that sea. And that's why it's reminded here, we're reminded of that where it says, waters, they have seen you, O God. What waters? The waters of the Red Sea. And he says, waters have seen you. And they, and this is a word, can be dance. It can be a word for for travail in, in pain. And what is probably referring to here is how the waters were were moved. It's a word of change of posture, change of, of normalcy. So the waters were in one way and they change. Now, in modern English, we could translate this word. Modern Hebrew, we could have the translation into English as, as something which is uh, uh, twisted. So it's saying here, the waters were twisted from what's normal. And and why was that? Because they saw God. They recognized God and they were changed. They were moved. And also we read that the deep waters, even the deep waters, they were, were shaken. They were disturbed. Next verse. The waters, they streamed. And what waters are we talking about now? The clouds. The waters in the clouds. And, and he set his voice, where? In the skies. So we see how God brings about change in the waters below and in the waters in the heavens. The clouds, in other words. And he says, even, and this would be the word for like arrows, even your arrows, they, they passed. Meaning they went forth. They traveled about. And, and here... Most scholars see that these arrows are what I have. When I went through this in the rabbinical commentators, in a a book that's dedicated to Psalms and and making known the Hebrew into a contemporary Hebrew, they have here for the word chatzatzecha, your arrows, they have the word avnei barad, avnei rocks of. And then the word barad, the word for hail. So so rocks of hell, big boulders that came forth from the sky. So it's speaking about God's power, his authority. 
continuing this type of disturbance in the heavens of of its storming it's raining it's wind wind it it's hail it says the voice of your thunder in and we have here the word gal gal which is like a will some would say a whirlwind and what it's talking about is is a storm taking place and some would say instead of gal gal that is this whirlwind it's speaking about once again taking place in the heavens and it says and your lightnings in the plural lightnings illuminating lighting up the entire world for the earth it shook and it it was was making noise it was disturbed so god is able to bring about a change in all the world now you look at man we really can't do anything to this world we and it's so foolish that we think that we're going to destroy the world no god's going to destroy it with his judgment not man nowhere prophetically does man set off a nuclear warhead that that causes an end to the world god's going to bring the world to the end at his time according to his purpose so god is this one that can bring change into the world and utter change next verse he says in the sea is your way meaning all that water was there the people came to it they didn't see any way whatsoever but God moved away the water. That's what we learn back in, in verse 17 in Hebrew, 16 and others, where God caused the, the waters to twist, to convert. And, and contort would be a better way to say it, that waters contorted and were moved back. And when it did, in the sea was your way and your pathway in much water, meaning there was much water there, an abundance of water. But God moved it away, and we saw his pathway, the the road, the way that the people are to go on to be set free, to find that deliverance. And he says, and your footprints. Now, that's literally what it means, but it can mean your trace was, was not known, meaning this. Before God brought about this change with the waters, and we're talking about the Red Sea. Remember, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, that bondage. They went into the wilderness, and God led them to that sea of reeds, Yamsuf, what's commonly referred to as the Red Sea. And they felt hopeless there. What did God say? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's what God told to tell Moses or Moses was supposed to tell the people god said it to moses and he said it to the people and this is what it's making reference the people saw with their natural eyes no pathway of deliverance god moved and there was and this is what the author asaf is reminding us we may be in a situation where there does not appear any solution we can't see it we're looking we're praying nothing but god is a powerful god God has all authority and God can bring a change in this world that will reveal to us that pathway of deliverance. So this is a great verse, verse 20 in the Hebrew text, verse 19 probably in your Bible, a great text. We don't see the footsteps of God, but they are there. Last verse, verse 21, where it says 21 in Hebrew, 20 in others. 
you have guided this is a word for leading you have guided you have led your people as a flock literally the order is this you have led as a flock your people in the hand of moses and aharon aaron now why is that mentioned there you have have led as a flock your people as as in the hand of moses and aaron here's a very important truth that is authority recognizing authority moses moshe and aharon they were the leaders that that brought about god's redemption he's the redeemer they brought it about they revealed it to the people and it was only when they submitted to the authority of these two men that they were able to go forward to be moved where god wanted them to be when they were rebellious and they rebelled frequently against moses they wanted to kill him several times when they lived rebelliously against moses revelation what happened they found god's discipline that's what asaf is speaking of experiencing that he's in trouble he's in trials he's in tribulation and he's beseeching god for mercy forgiveness for god to pardon him and god to renew once more that activity that marvelous and that wondrous activity that brings about redemption and not just the payment for redemption but the outcome of redemption which is what victory a kingdom victory and we can only experience that kingdom victory when we submit to authority and what i'm saying is this in our life as many years as we have left we're only going to experience god's faithfulness as we submit to the authority that god has placed over us a very important biblical truth psalm 77 great psalm in teaching us how to approach god in prayer when we have failed him when we have sinned when we have disobeyed when we have rebelled and we're looking for spiritual renewal to take us out of the mess that we have brought about on ourselves because of our sinfulness our going our way instead of going his way a great psalm of spiritual principles to bring renewal so that we live where god wants us to live and we do the things that god wants us to do and that we can accomplish those things that bring glory and honor and praise unto him i'll close with that shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <laughs>